Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by sportsbookreview.com. Sports bettors worldwide consider the NCAA tournament to be one of the most profitable times of year. Actually, not just sports bettors, Tate, but uh, probably the NCAA themselves. A lot mm-hmm. of corporations mm-hmm. lining, lining their pockets during the NCAA tournament, but mm-hmm. sports bettors also are as well. But remember, not all betting sites are created equal, which is why smart bettors all trust sportsbookreview.com. With free live picks, live betting odds, and detailed matchup stats, Sportsbook Review is your go-to resource for finding trustworthy, reputable betting locations and coming out a winner this March Madness. So head on over to Sportsbook Review today and get in on the action. For a limited time, visit its Visit sportsbookreview.com slash ringer to find expert predictions, live odds, and access to exclusive bonus promotions at A-plus rated sportsbooks. Again, that is sportsbookreview.com slash ringer. Tate and I today are going to dive into the Sean Miller stuff. We're going to talk about our good guys, our bad guys, our Kyle guys. You guys know the drill. You friends of the program have been listening for a while. You know how it works. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of thoughts on Sean Miller. It's been an interesting story, uh, just kind of how it's all unfolded the last few days and and the reaction that, that Tate and I have had to this story has drastically changed and we feel like it's worth sort of fleshing everything out. So uh, we're going to get to all that a little bit more uh, coming up. But first, Woody Durham. Hey, thanks for time. All right, it is 12 days to Selection Sunday. Uh, it is blind resume time. It is time to show Team A, who has a bad record and has only two good wins. It's time to show Team B, who also has a bad record but has three good wins. And try to determine, Tate, our, who, which team belongs in the field. But you know what? It's not about that right now. Um, I think we have reached a point where the off-court stuff in college basketball is 100% irrefutably more interesting than the on-court stuff. Would you agree with me, Tate Frazier? If you're a fan of burn notice, if you're a fan of FBI dramas, then you're a fan of college basketball this season because it's all about the FBI, it's all about investigations, and it's all about who paid who what and who dropped what bag, and I can't wait to talk about it. So let's start with the story. You and I recorded a podcast on Friday. We talked about the Yahoo report. We we were uh, recorded after the Yahoo report broke. Um, we kind of dissected that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that night, the bombshell of all bombshells hit. The uh, I I kind of get caught using hyperbole with stuff like this, but I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is the biggest bombshell in the history of college basketball, that Sean Miller is on a wire, an FBI wiretap, saying he's going to pay $100,000 to get DeAndre Ayton to Arizona. And that was the story, and... I mean, I, I can't imagine a bigger story that's ever existed in college basketball off the court stuff. I mean, that is like you have the FBI wiretapping a, a head coach, not just any coach, mm-hmm. not just the assistant, mm-hmm. but it's a head coach at one of the 10 best programs in college basketball. And he's offering money to get who's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft to come to his school. It was very juicy. You and I called each other. We're laughing our asses off. We're like, should we do an emergency podcast on Friday night? It, it just panic is setting in. We, we we're celebrating. We're like, I honestly think that you and I, when we got on the phone with one another, we were just laughing for like two straight minutes. We're like, this is the funniest thing that's ever happened. And we couldn't even formulate a thought because it was so damn perfect that like, like how could you possibly make this mistake if you're Sean Miller and get on a freaking wiretap? You're, I don't know. Everything about it was just like, God, this is great for our podcast. 
And then we ultimately decided to not record a podcast, Tate. And yes. that proved to be a very smart decision because I would regret virtually everything I would have said on Friday night. <laughs> Which is the whole point, because you called, and let's be honest, you were demanding the podcast. You wanted it. You wanted to talk Sean Miller. You wanted to talk the ultimate backdrop, which is what we first said to each other, which is crazy, which is if you were to tap a head coach in college basketball, you would think that was a futile matter. You know, it's like, why Why are you going to do that? There's no way a coach would ever be on the phone. That's what. That's for friends of the program. That's what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be on the right. phone making these bag drops, making these deals. There's no way a head coach has time to be doing this. So as soon as the story breaks, you're just amazed that one Sean Miller would ever be on his phone talking actual numbers to get a player, which is, right. you know, the juiciest thing you could ever read. And then for it to be reported by ESPN, and then everyone loses their mind. Everyone jumps out and says, this is unbelievable. Sean Miller is the worst. Bill Walton calls out and said he didn't even want to do to a, a call a basketball game with Arizona because it was despicable. <laughs> he just couldn't believe the act. Dick Vitale was shocked, of course, always shocked. Dickie V was having a heart, at, he was having he was, a heart attack yeah. calling the Duke Syracuse game. And he was in quarter arrest. The, the, he, he was putting his own brains and brain in knots trying to defend Rick Pitino while also calling for Sean Miller's head. He was like, <laughs> poor Dickie V, man. He God, just loves the kids, baby. Come on. <laughs> he's, he's talking about how there's no evidence in the Pitino case, but you got to fire Sean Miller right now. And I was like, my God, Dick, just like go back to just yelling how much you love everything. And let's just get back to that. Dickie V let's, let's, let's I'm, I'm not sure I'm a fan of the lawyer Dickie V quite as much. Um, <laughs> So I will well, hold on. Let me let me first say that mm. we are now in our good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy segment. I'm only chasing after bags. Now I got a game plan. I think yes. we're, we're officially Tate, Tate and I have decided to make the Sean Miller story a it's joint a, bad guy. Situation. A joint bad guy, Sean Miller, head yeah. coach of Arizona. Um so for those not in the know, uh, which is a lot of people, by the way, there there are a lot of people who read headlines and read even read the and this isn't their fault. If you just read the headline and saw the story and said, "Damn, that's bad for Sean Miller," I don't mean to say that in like a condescending way. Like Tate and I are smarter than you. It's that <laughs> this is our job. This is literally Tate and I's job is to read this shit and sort through it all. And you guys have better things to do with your life. That's why you tune into the pod. You listen for an hour, a couple hours a week. We have to deliver all the information for you so you don't have to think for yourself. We get that. Um, but if you if you just like read the headline or saw the story or whatever, you're like, damn, that's that's it. Sean Miller's gotta be fired right now. That's what you and I said right at the beginning. But in a couple days since, what is it now? Four days since, three days since four days. It's basically been flipped on its head to where like I think Sean Miller should coach on Thursday. I, I've talked myself into like I think Sean Miller and that's not to say I think Sean Miller is is innocent at all. It's that I don't know, and no one knows, and it's become clear that no one has any idea what the hell's going on. And um, let I guess we should walk through like the problems. Yeah, I was gonna walk with the ESPN report. I just want to walk through the timeline for Sean Miller too. So Friday night it comes out, everyone's freaking out, everyone's already writing the headlines and saying this is the death of Arizona basketball as we know it. All these Arizona, you know, I tweeted that. Yeah, (laughs) would you say R.I.P. Arizona? Yeah, I I said congratulations to Lorenzo Romar, the ultimate bad guy. He literally just sat next to Sean Miller, watched him go down, and he was also implicated in the the initial report with Christian Dawkins with Markel Fultz. But so perfect. Now he's the head coach of Arizona. It all worked out. So, anyways, that happens Friday night. Sean Miller puts it out to the world that he's you know shocked that this has come out and that he will be vindicated. What did we do when he said that? We all laughed. We all made fun of it. I know I mm-hmm. made fun of it. I was like, how are you going to be vindicated? You were on a wiretap talking. You know, there, there's no way around that. 
You can't say that you were sarcastically saying you'd give him $100,000. Um, or maybe you could. I don't know. So I'm just like, well, the, why are we drawing this thing out? Why is Sean Miller not done yet? And then we can talk about the actual reasons behind that right now. Yeah. So the the, the first step one, uh, ESPN, the, the story broke through Mark Schlebach. Mark Schlebach. 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 Um, he broke the story. As, as far as I understand, he is like a college football guy. Like mm-hmm. that's his general thing. Um, so he breaks the story and he doesn't have any quotes in the story, Tate. This, and that, this is the new journalism. The that, that's the new thing that people do. They just don't have quotes, but they write stories and they have sources. It's a scary world. I, I haven't spent... I haven't spent a single. Se- You're more of a journalist than I am. I haven't spent a single second in any journalism class, so I'm not really sure how journalism is supposed to work. But not like uh, that. I was after I got done laughing at all of the Sean Miller stuff and like celebrating, and I was like, "This is awesome." Tate and I can just do Sean Miller podcast for the rest of the year and just laugh <laughs> at Sean Miller. This is so freaking awesome. Um, after that, I was like, "Okay, now I'm ready to dive into these details." And I quickly found out there really are no details. And my, my, I just, I just started scratching my head. I was like, huh? You know, like if a guy has a wiretap of Sean Miller and you're framing this as like the most damning thing to ever happen to college bat, you know, like this is just absolutely a bombshell. Can you give us a quote? Do you, can you, can you tell us what was on the wiretap that he, did he say, quote, I have a hundred thousand dollars. I would like to pay you. Can you just, just, can we, can we start there? Like, and the answer is no, Tate. We had no quotes whatsoever. We had no transcripts. Mm-hmm. We had no, it was just like someone, someone who knew the details of the case reached out to some, to some reporters, got a hold of Schlob, Schlobloch, uh, <laughs> basically said, Hey, I have this, there's this wiretap that exists of Sean Miller saying, mm-hmm. I will give a hundred thousand dollars for DeAndre Ayton. And then the ESPN ran with the story. And does that mean the wiretap doesn't exist? Does it, does it exist? I don't know, but you start to unpack like the problems with how this has been reported. And, and certainly that's the first part to me is that there are, are no direct quotes from the thing. Um, the second part that, that is important. And by the way, I, I should mention to the listeners, if, if you don't like listening to me talk and you're much, you're, you're a reader, you, you would rather see all this, Right now, I did write an article on The Ringer about this today. Uh, it was just published. Um, There's just kind of like going through all these bullet points. So nice uh, plug. you can check that out if you'd rather if you'd rather have this uh, framed in a more eloquent manner rather than me rambling on and and making shitty jokes. Um, point, point two I want to mention, Tate, is that this information was leaked by someone who was probably on the defense team of one of these. I mean, it, it, it stands to reason like it's got to be all of this evidence is not public, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not like that's what we've been it's saying. It's not like the courts. Yeah. Yeah. We, as we said with the Christian Dawkins thing, this it's is like, leaked. you got to consider the source. Yeah. These are leaked reports. Yes. Um, so there's that problem. And then the timeline problem is like one of the biggest ones is that Shlomla goes on ESPN <laughs> and says, I don't know why it's that funny. the, the, because <laughs> it's funny because I, I legitimately don't know how to say his name, so I'm just kind of <laughs> I'm kind of getting around that by by making a joke about it. It's more of a joke about me than than him, but uh, good. So he goes on he goes on ESPN and says that the the call the Sean Miller call took place in the spring of 2017. That's what he says on Sports Center. That was the and, TV report, the okay. first TV report. That's what we got. Yeah. Spring of 2017, which automatically raises red flags because we know Dawkins' phones had only been intercepted from June of 2017 well, to no, September no, no. of 2017, right? The f- the first thing that raises flags is that DeAndre Ayton was already signed, sealed, and delivered to Arizona by that point. In November of and 2016. By, by 20, yeah. yeah. 
2016, he had already signed his letter of intent. So if if DeAndre signed his letter of intent in 2016, and then Sean, you were supposed to believe that Sean Miller a few months later gets on a phone call and was like, "Hey, I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars if you deliver DeAndre Ayton to me." <laughs> He's Doesn't in his make office. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, DeAndre Aiden staring at yeah, him. De- he's like, Coach, I'm literally uh-huh. right here. And he's like, you're DeAndre Aiden? Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, um, wait, who am I talking about? So ESPN realizes, this is a- <laughs> ESPN realizes that this is a problem. They issue a correction, and they say, actually, it was the spring of 2016, mm-hmm. not the spring of 2017. Schlaba mis- like, misspoke, which happens. You and I, we get on this podcast— I think there have been one or two times that you and I have done podcasts where we have said something wrong, where we have misspoken. I I don't know. I will, we'll have to fact check that. People forget. But, um, people do misspeak. That's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. We'll give we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He meant to say 2016. He accidentally said 2017. So it's the spring of 2016. But then, as you mentioned, Tate, we have sources, mul- multiple sauces, are saying that the wiretaps did not start on Dawkins's phone until after spring of 2016. So so which is it? What, what like what, when when is this wiretap happen? And so ESPN issues another correction and goes from spring of 2016 to now just 2016. The year. Yes. And that just like sometime in that year, sometime in that some in in that time range. And again like this isn't we I I I don't want to give people the impression that we're making excuses for Sean Miller or saying that this isn't happening. It's just and, and by the way, I don't I don't think at this point that that you and I are taking a controversial stance. I think most people the consensus seems to be that this is fishy at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, man, it's it's been it's been an interesting few days because suddenly like it it sort of feels like there isn't much of a case against Sean Miller, and and, that, and but and that's another thing to me that I just thought of. If Sean Miller is on is on a wiretap, saying I'm going to spend a hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to bribe this this runner to to get a recruit, and I'm going to pay him a hundred thousand dollars, and they have that on the wiretap. Why was Sean Miller not arrested? That that's worse than anything that any of these other assistant coaches that have been arrested by the FBI have done, right? So like, what? I I, I don't know. The whole thing is very confusing to me, and I and I honestly have no idea what's going to come w- with all of this. I. Th- I think the the thing that really stands out to me about it now is the way that it was handled by Arizona. Now they look smart because what did Louisville do as soon as our, all this stuff came out, you know, about Brian mm-hmm. Bowen? They were basically like, all right, Rupertino, we changed the locks on your office and you're out. Yep. <laughs> and Jurich, you're out too. Yep. Every, everybody that was involved was out. And Rick Pitino was basically like, this is not the protocol I'm used to. I thought I would have a couple days to get my story straight. <laughs> and like, this happened is this is happening way too fast. Uh, Rick Pitino stepped in. And he's like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> have I made it clear that I had no idea this was going on? Yeah, Do you like, understand? He's like, did anyone but, hear me? should I say that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> I literally am yelling at you right now. I had no idea. Can someone please help me out? And that's what Arizona sort of, they, they've, with Sean Miller, they didn't completely jump to the to the point where we got to get rid of this guy like they did with Patino. And I think it may work out yeah. in Miller's favor well, at this point, which is what you're saying, because the timeline doesn't add up at all. And now ESPN's report, I mean, like ESPN had a spokesperson came out and reaffirmed that the network now stands by their story. So now the, the report from ESPN is the main thing that's being attacked instead of Sean Miller himself. And now with all that up in the air, they were smart to, you know, Sean Miller just sat out a game. Like, you know, like he was a player, like what Miles Bridges, you know, if he didn't pay back the $40, what he would have had to do, you know, set out a game and be ineligible. But now he's back to being eligible, I think, because this is a, a report that, I mean, it can't be verified. 
And if you're Sean Miller, I mean, I'm sure he's at Arizona right now saying, look, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I, I told you guys what I where I stand on this. I had nothing to do with it, which now stands. I mean, he's still innocent. This report is now up in the air and iffy and doesn't make sense. He should be able to coach, which is crazy. Yeah, he. it's it's absolutely insane that we're, that I'm saying the words, I think Sean Miller should coach on Thursday. That I I thought he would be fired immediately, like, yes. like you said. But this is this is just another example of, it's an example of two things. Like one, modern journalism, I guess. And I don't want to personal, I'm not, I don't hate ESPN as much as like the casual fan does, but I know it's very popular to to just rip on ESPN. And But I don't think it's necessarily an ESPN problem. I think it's just like a general journalism problem, which is why you and I don't deal in that business. We do, we're not trying to, Break stories, break stories, and, yeah. and do all that shit because because it's just a race to be first, and you don't even worry about how the, the details of anything. You're like, well, shit, someone's calling me, telling me there's a wiretap. That's pretty juicy. I would hate for CBS to break this when I work at ESPN. Like, I got to be the first one to to hit this. Um, and look, let's be honest. Yeah. When, you, when you do investigative journalism, best case scenario as a journalist, you get an HBO movie, and you know Al Pacino plays Joe Paterno. Right. That's right. best case scenario, uh, and like we're not in that business. The the other part is the rush to judgment with the the uh, uh, administrators or the the whatever the universities I should say um, that it, there's a there's a lesson to be learned there because like you said Arizona taking his time I mean I don't think with with a lot of these cases like I don't think taking your time is is ever the wrong move exactly it can be the wrong move with like certain cases but like with these sorts of things with the F, with the FBI type stuff. Taking your time, I don't think is the wrong move at all. Um, and yeah, Arizona. I mean, for when when you bring up the Patino case, I think you could argue if you're Louisville that that was more of like a summation of basically the last five yeah, to seven there, years of Patino's existence. There were more things going on there. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was just about the Brian Bowen. This thing. wasn't the um, first red flag. Uh, right. So, so that one, I feel like a little. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take up the banner for Rick Patino here. But uh, you're not Dick Vitale. <laughs> I'm I'm not Dick Vitale, but um yeah th- yeah it's just it's just crazy to me and can we talk about the players a little bit that are all involved in this and how it sort of played out, which is differently than how it came like, like when the report came out, everyone I mean and it, even I said on the podcast when we did the podcast on Friday, I initially thought that all these schools except for maybe the Dukes and Kentuckys of the world. They were going to, you know, sit these guys out. Like, I thought that Tom Izzo was going to have to do the the moral compass thing where, you know, Miles Bridges, the, I can't believe that this came out. Um, you know, we're going to mm-hmm. have to sit him out. Or maybe he even sits out because his name was in the report. That's what I assumed. But That's, then, what, I was hope- that's what I was hoping for. And that's, that, <laughs> and that's not the case. I mean, these guys are basically saying that's something in a Yahoo report. And Coach K would say that's a, something that a Yahoo at Yahoo reported. And at this point... Every single player that's been involved that has come back, like Miles Bridges paid the $40. He said he knew nothing. Mm-hmm. He's never taken anything. He comes back and plays, and it's like everything's okay. Wendell Carter, you know, all the stuff. They, they talked about it at halftime, but during the game, you know, they didn't want to talk about it or bring it up at all, really. And Wendell Carter has a great game. He plays really well. Duke wins this game. This is this first game back, not the Virginia Tech game last night. And the same thing happens uh, with Aiton. I mean, they lose in overtime to Oregon, but he was unbelievable in that game. They're, before the game, they're like, I don't know how Aiton. They're like, I don't know how Aiton's going to handle this. There's there's so much stress in this situation. It's a lot for a young man to handle. And he's like, I'm just going to put up 2018 and four. Like it obviously is not, not touch the ball in the last ten minutes of the game. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, and that's you know, of course, Sean Miller would have definitely got him the ball. Actually, never mind. We shouldn't say mm. that. that. That's too far. <laughs> that's too far. Uh, 
I'm just saying that it, it seems like this whole thing we thought it was going to blow up and it was going to affect this season and yada yada. And Sean Miller, you know, had, was on wiretap with hundred thousand, and now we come back to the same point again where it's all out there, but it's not really out there, and it's it's more circumstantial and you know, big leak reports. We're back at square the, one. Yeah, we're back at square one, basically. You got all excited. Really Every, everyone was saying that this is the sea change that we've all expected, and we're still at the same point where all these guys are still playing. Nothing is really standing uh, in, in court right now or is going to be used as possible permissible evidence. I mean, look at NC State. I was joking to you before. I mean, News and Observer in Raleigh, they had three headlines. They had North Carolina possibly implicated with players in the FBI case, and then it was Duke's Wendell Carter possibly could face, uh, you know, he could be out for the rest of the season due to FBI investigation. And then at the bottom, NC State, a team that we joked about with the great Mark Gottfried, the, the godfather himself, he had, you know, $73,000 outstanding to, to Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis somehow. Smith. Who knew? Yeah. If, who knows if he knew? You know, we don't know. But we should say that at the same time that that comes out, the headline the, you know, the News Observer was NC State disassociated itself with, with the agent involved in FBI case in 2012. Regardless, the, I love I, <laughs> like that's what I'm saying. Like people, I love were, the triangle fight, of <laughs> people are fighting. These I absolutely stories. love the Duke and Carolina and NC State thing that goes on. Like that's I I, I love that. that. That'll never get old to me. Is hearing you talk about just the, the, like reporting from Tobacco Road and here's that's what I'm talking about journalism. Though you can take these stories and whatever you want to frame it, either it's the greatest sea change in college basketball history or it's nothing. You know, you can take it and, and spin it whatever way you want to because really nothing stands as it is right now. And that's that's the frustrating thing to me. Uh, and and I was so excited. I've said it a thousand times, Tate. I just I I want to see this all burn to the ground. I really truly do. Uh, I I want N- NCAA to to take on change. I want them to fix things. I want them to change how they they operate. And I feel like the only way that that's really going to happen, or, or at least the only way it's going to happen quickly, is for something like this FBI thing to to just blow everything up. Um, if if you sit around and wait for the NCAA to slowly come to its senses and be like, yeah, I guess we should pay players, like that's going to take thirty years. I mean, that's like a generation. That's just like the slow turning wheel of politics is kind of how that works. You have to basically wait for all the old guys who remember when college basketball in the nineteen sixties was just like the coach made seventy six thousand mm-hmm. dollars and drove a Buick and like that was his that was his lifestyle. Like that's, that's to them what college basketball still is. And that's still how they see college basketball. You have to basically wait for like them to die off and like the new crop to come in. And I don't want to wait that long. I want it to like change now. So I was so excited that the <laughs> FBI thing was going to bring on that change. Cause you can't like, as soon as you reach the point where all your best programs and coaches and players mm-hmm. are implicated and you're throwing cuffs on Sean Miller and hauling them off and, and all these, I don't, I don't know, all these other programs that, that were mentioned in the Yahoo report, like all these players have to sit out as we're about to en- enter the NCAA tournament. If that was the case, I think the NCAA this this offseason has to take a long, hard look and be like, we have to change some shit, and it has to be drastic. But but there's no way they're they don't have to do, do that. that right now. Yeah, they're not going to do that. Yeah, they don't have to do that <laughs> because nothing because we're back at square one. And yes. I guess like if if you're being optimistic about it, you should we should note that like th- what has been leaked is not necessarily all that there is. Um, and I've, I've made that point a hundred times. I just think it's, it's worth reiterating that this is not information that's being made public by the FBI. It's not like the FBI stepped out and said, here's, here's all we, we got on all these guys. Yes. Yeah. What's happening is someone's inside the room and it's, it, they're, they're basically leaking it out for reasons I don't really know. I mean, if you, 
if you're a conspiracy guy and you like coming up with heinous reasons that people would leak this shit, then have at it. Um, I can't really figure out what the motive behind this kind of stuff is. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at. So like maybe there is more. Maybe all this is, uh, you know, everything is going to burn to the ground. But until we have more corroborating evidence, like until we actually hear the wiretap with Sean Miller, until the Dawkins spreadsheets, we get some actual receipts, we get some bank records, we yep. get some um, I, some secondhand testimonies, other, you know, like other sources, uh, then, then it's basically just like circumstantial evidence. It's conjecture. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not enough for the NCAA to do anything about it. And that kind of sucks. And it and it's sourced by a single person, by a twenty four year old runner right. for an agent, you know, I mean, yeah. and that that's yeah. that's a hard. I mean, that that's a lot. To, so that my my biggest the, uh, fear is that this being the whole report coming from one th- one deal with this Christian Dawkins and this being his phone calls. I mean, that's that's murky water, and that's some that's one of those things where I mean, some people have said a lot of this is grandstanding to get more people to come out and talk about these things, but. There's there's a world in which a lot of these expenses, like I sort of joked about, weren't actually the case, and a lot of these phone calls weren't with who was said to be on the other line. Right. Well, I, I guess that's the other frustrating part too is that plausible deniability exists for everybody. Exactly. That's, that's what I mean. They and, can all argue that case, and it can all stand. And and what's frustrating is that you and I and everyone listening, all the friends of the program listening to this, know that the shit is going on. Like people are <laughs> taking money from agents. People are getting sense. paid to go to schools. <laughs> Why do so we have this segment? It's of so course. frustrating. <laughs> it's so damn frustrating Tate, to then like see a report with like 600 names listed. And then you go through each one and each guy has like a case. It has a story, has an alibi and, and has plausible deniability. And then when you go through them one by one, you get to the end and you're like, shit, wh- what do we have here? We have nothing. And mm-hmm. and then you're like, well, maybe maybe there really isn't that much corruption in college basketball. It's like, no, there definitely 100% <laughs> is. We just can't prove it. And this is frustrating as hell. Um, I, by the way, I, I, I subscribe to the Gary Parish theory. Uh, GP said that he, he first of all, he, he went on Twitter and kind of mentioned he, he's a he plugged into the recruiting scene mm-hmm. that um, Aiton and, and Dawkins – had nothing Never to really do had with, a relationship in yeah, the first place. Yes, they yeah. had nothing to do with and each so, other. That's another confusing part was like, even if Sean Miller wanted to land DeAndre Ayton, why would he be calling Dawkins? Because that's not the guy you should be calling if you're trying to pay to get a player. So his theory, GP's theory is this, that it wasn't Miller reaching out to Dawkins to get Ayton to come to Arizona. It was Dawkins reaching out to Miller to get Ayton to sign with him. Because like at, he, he thinks that the wiretap at this point at this point, Aiton had already signed. He had already been to Arizona. So now Dawkins mm-hmm. then calls Sean Miller and is like, I want to get your player. I want him to sign with our agency. Here's a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that seems more plausible to me. And which by mm-hmm. the, if, if that is the case, Miller is kind of screwed a little bit, but it's not even, it's not even in the same stratosphere as what the initial report was, which is like Miller's out there trying to to land Aiden and instigating this kind of stuff. And and that comes into a case of like funneling a guy to an agency. And that, that actually makes more sense than it is. Like he's actually putting up a firsthand fee to get a guy like Aiden to go to school there, which is a, yeah, like you said, a totally different thing. If that is the case, that is still still no bueno. Yes. It's still no bueno for Sean Miller, but it's not like, 
this man never let this man set foot on a college campus again. Like Dick mm-hmm. Vitale's like shoot this man into the sun. I never <laughs> want to see his face again. And like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that level. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of bad, Sean. You probably shouldn't have done that if that is indeed what it is. And, and by the way, we still have not listened to the tape. So even if that is what it is, Tate, it might be Dawkins saying, Hey, I will give you a hundred thousand dollars if you give me DeAndre Ayton. And Sean Miller's like, "Why am I talking to you? You're yeah, twenty-two years old." I. He's like, he's like, is this Andre never call Dawkins? Me again. How did you get is this? Is this Johnny Dawkins? How did you Who get is this? this? <laughs> what the hell is happening here? Um, we should. I should say. So about, yeah, it's uh, about Ayton too. Like his whole deal. I mean, Ayton's already been uh, cooperating with the FBI. Like, uh, I, I think yeah. it was like a Boston based attorney or, that's doing the Arizona investigation into the FBI probe. He said Aitens had uh, voluntarily agreed to several interviews over the past several months with federal prosecutors and, and Pac-12 compliance officials. And uh, they, they've been they've talked to Aiton a bunch. And Aiton, you know, has consistently maintained that, uh, you know, he nor any of his family has taken any extra benefit to influence his decision to go to Arizona. That doesn't mean that anything I, has changed since he got to Arizona. Like, so, he, you know, but to go to Arizona, he is saying that no one influenced that decision with uh with any money or anything. I actually believe that. I actually, I a hundred percent believe that, that I, I believe in Gary Parrish's theory that it was Dawkins reaching out to Miller. And I, from there, I don't know. I don't know what happened next. I don't know what but, all the evidence, but that makes the most sense to me. And it's still deep. It still debunks the whole ESPN timeline of them sticking with the 2016 thing. Right. Like they're, they're well, still, I think they're, I th- they're still trying to say it happened sometime in 2016, which would make it a recruiting situation, yeah. but they may be, wrong and defending that and it may be right that it was in 2017 in the right timeline that it, his phones were actually tapped and he was talking about funneling Aiton to his agency once he leaves Arizona that's exactly it I think I think ESPN got it right the first time I think yes. when Shlomlov went on Sports <laughs> Center and said it was 2017 yep I think he was right and that was when the, the wiretap happened and the conversation happened and then they realized wait that can't be right something's mm-hmm. not adding up so then they mm-hmm. like tried to backtrack and fix their mistake and they created even more mistakes for themselves because um, they already had the that's narrative. My theory. I, but, no, I'm saying because they already had the narrative made out that it was during recruiting. So they're like, it can't be 2017. It has to be 2016, which is what we're saying in the whole first place. Where now you can take right. everything, stitch it together in your own certain way, and make up your own story. Which is why none of this, this is, is standing what, up. This is what I believe. But also, I we we should say it just one more time for those of you who were not paying attention when we said it the first ten thousand times. Nobody actually knows anything. Exactly. And I guess that is my big takeaway to, yes. to those of we, we we have a lot of people who listen who a lot of friends of the program Tate are do not follow college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um and we love that. We think that's like that's the greatest compliment that any of our listeners can give to us is like we don't even give a shit about college basketball. But we like hearing <laughs> you guys talk to each other. Um so thank you guys for that. But uh if you're one of those people and you're just kind of like so confused as to how all this is going on, I guess my advice to you moving forward would be just don't react to headlines and yeah. don't react to stories. Like just it, when you, when you see something that seems really juicy, when, when a news breaks, if, if next week it's like Bill self is did this at Kansas, instead of doing the, making the mistake that Tate and I can't just cannot stop making <laughs> and call at each other and laughing, just stop and go, no, hang on a second. Let me just make sure what mm-hmm. what is actually going on here and kind of like take a few days to kind of digest it. And then if it still adds up, then be like, okay, now it's time to laugh. And don't, um, because- and don't get swayed and, and, and changed over by like documents being included. That's my that's my favorite thing now when we do we break these reports. Right. It's like yeah, we yeah. have spreadsheets linked in the it's like the documents are there. Check out the documents. It's like, well, those still aren't receipts. 
Those are still someone like I could write down that I paid a hundred thousand right. dollars to anybody. That doesn't mean I paid anybody anything. <laughs> you know, it's like in defense of uh in defense of Yahoo, uh, who like basically Pete Thamel and Pat Forty have been doing most of their breaking yes story on on all this stuff, all this break breaking all this stuff. In defense of them, I don't think they ever framed it as like this is a bombshell arrest no. this man type stuff they were just like hey here's what we have do what you want but that's with this. that's the initial you response know, like, hey, every people, single time and then if you have quote-unquote documents yeah, attached then people don't even read any of that stuff and automatically jump to well i mean they have all the evidence there in the piece yeah but i'm saying the difference the difference to me is like i don't think yahoo necessarily had that tone no. in how they presented their information they were just like here here is the information and then it was other people who then saw that information were like oh shit yeah, spreadsheets. Yes, whoa, exactly whoa, whoa. those people um, don't do that whereas espn yeah, definitely not you and I. Um, <laughs> ESPN, though, I feel like from the gun, they were they had the tone of like, "Oh shit, here we go, check this out, folks. Look what we got our hands on." And and that that to me is like the big difference between how ESPN has handled it and Yahoo has handled it. And I like don't know. the but um yeah, do your do your own like everybody just calm down. I guess is the, the bottom the line of ESPN like exploded and then like came back together all in one piece, morphed back together, and it just said breaking Sean Miller. $100,000 and just shot off yeah. fireworks. It was a lot. So, so Sean Miller still is our yes. bad guy of the week. Congratulations, um, Sean. And Tay, Tay, I just thought about, I thought about this, by the way. We have, our, our the friends of the program are have just like tripled since we last explained good guy, bad guy, Kyle guy. And I feel like I got to oh, do it again, Tate. I feel like I got to give the explanation. Yeah, Kyle's so pissed. <laughs> Producer Kyle, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm seeing way too many people on Twitter that don't understand what we're actually talking about when we say good guy, bad guy, and Kyle Can you guy. do this in 30 so, seconds? It's an award. It's a good guy, a bad guy, and a Kyle guy. Well, <laughs> so we're the good guy for those for the, for the new uh-huh. friends of the program. Good guy are the Kyle, – Kyle, calm down. Just calm down. I can't wait till you're in the studio so Kyle can stare at you minutes I know. Uh, so good guys, Tate. Are the coaches most usually coaches? Sometimes players, sometimes other people, but most often they're the coaches. They're the coaches who suck at coaching, who have suddenly lost their magic, and mm-hmm. everyone wants to criticize them, but they don't know what to say, so they just preface it by saying, "This man is a good guy. Uh, he's done a lot of great things for the community, um, and I hate to see the way the fan base is treating him. He does not deserve this. He deserves better than this. That everyone has turned on him because he is eight and twenty-three and zero and sixteen and." The AC. Oh wait, sorry. I'm, I'm not. Wait, wait. What, what happened there? What was I? Sorry, I got a little too specific there for a second. Um. So good guys are the the guy the guys who the media says this guy's a good guy because they're too afraid to say this guy just absolutely sucks at coaching. Um. Mm-hmm. Bad guys is with a G. Tate. People don't know. I understand this. They think we're saying B A D. It's with a G. They're dropping bags. These are the guys who are the absolute superstars of college basketball right now. And that is who Sean. That's why Sean Miller is our bad guy. So there it is, Tate. I just feel like we needed to explain it one more time. That's it. That's it for the rest of the season. I promise. Let's do good guy. So, you, yeah, let's move on to good guy. Hit me with yours. Right, do, do you want me to start? Do you want to? Do you want to save yours? No, mine. Mine's easy. We're, we're just gonna run through it. All right, go ahead. Get it's it out quick. Of go ahead. Uh, Arizona head coach Bobby Hurley, good guy of the week, and this is Arizona. Wait, what? <laughs> Arizona State. Oh, okay. <laughs> Future Arizona coach Bobby Hurley. No, I'm kidding. That won't happen. Could it? I think that here, here's my pitch to Arizona fans. If you're not going to have Sean Miller be your head coach, go to Rhode Island, hire Dan Hurley, and then you have the Hurley <laughs> brothers 
Dan Hurley versus Bob Hurley. I love it. And you get Arizona, Arizona State rivalry. People care about it because it's brother versus brother. You get the hardball thing going. Uh, that would be so awesome. That's my pitch to Arizona fans. And, and like, that's a good. That would be. T- turn the tide over, coach, you know? Like, Dan Hurley will write the program. Everyone loves the Hurley family and their coaching history. I think it works. But unfortunately, unfortunately, that would never happen because that would actually be kind of awesome. And Arizona has now become the most tortured fan base in college basketball. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind at this point that yes. Arizona fans, they if they didn't win the Nat, thank God they won the national title in 97. Yep. Or, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine what it would be like. It's but, been but 21 at least, like, years. At least, mo- I know it's still been a long time, but I'm saying like at least most of the fan base is old enough to sort of remember mm-hmm. winning a nat- what it, what it feels like to go to a Final Four and win a national title. Like it's, but my God, like oh, they they lose in the lead every, every year. They got Alonzo Trier getting you know he he failed a piss test six years ago <laughs> and he's still suspended for it. Uh, that deer antler spray, man. FBI stuff. stuff. You got your assistant coach getting hauled off by the FBI. You got your head coach getting smeared, but maybe not really smeared. Maybe he actually is a bad guy. We don't really know. Oh my God. What a, what a, what a time. Shout out to Arizona fans. I don't know how you do it. They're <laughs> alive. Anyway, back to, back to your good guy. They're alive in Tucson and well, uh, yeah, Bobby Hurley, they've lost three in a row. Arizona state, a team that was the last undefeated team in the country. And now uh, they're ninth. Mm. They're ninth in the Pac-12. And first, I should say the reason why he's a good guy. Harry from Against All Odds, you know Harry, producer Kyle, you know Harry, of course, uh, co-host of Against All Odds podcast with cousin Sal. He was flying back from Los Angeles. He was sitting next to Coach Bob Hurley on the way back. Was having a little chat Bob with him. Hurley? So th- Bobby this, or Bob? Bob. This is when when Bob's off duty. He's uh-huh. Bob. When he's on when he's on the court, he's back to being Bobby. Uh, so he's talking to Bob Hurley, and he says, you know, he's asking Hurley what's been going on. Hurley was super nice guy. Talked about you know New, New Jersey basketball. Uh, was talking about how the team just need to get their mind right. It was just like the ultimate good guy story from Harry. So I was like, okay. Nine times out of ten, any Duke guy is going to be in the bad guy variety, but I'm going to give Bob Hurley the good, the good guy moniker this week. But he's lost three in a row. They're ninth in the Pac-12. I think if you looked at their blind resume, which is this is the time when we throw two blind resumes up and go crazy when it's like, oh, my God, that's Wichita mm-hmm. State. Uh, now is the time for Arizona State to get that treatment. Ninth in the Pac-12. They're obviously going to be a tournament team, we think, we believe, but I think there's a case that they may not be a tournament team. And lost three in a row, like I said, ninth in the Pac-12. They're sort of off the rails, but trying to find their footing. I think they have to have a good Pac-12 tournament to to really make it into the NCAA field. They might be in the first four. I don't know. I need Lenardi to come in and help me out. But I, I'm worried that Bob Hurley a, may not make the tournament. I haven't been paying enough attention, but I feel like Arizona State and Oklahoma are are the two best programs to use for blind resumes. Yes. Because they were the two that just soared to absolute heights and are now kind of sucking. Um so if you're if you're like a producer for one of these college basketball shows listening to this, that's my suggestion is like to use an up and coming program, like use like a, a team like uh, Virginia Tech, know, Middle Tennessee, or yeah, <laughs> or Virginia Tech. You use a team like yeah, like Virginia Tech, or I don't know who's <laughs> also else is on the bubble, like Syracuse or something. I don't know. You use a team that 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 no one is really on the forefront of people's mind right now, and then blind resume them and throw up the blind resumes of Oklahoma and Arizona State. And oh. then have the big reveal, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" So you mean to tell me that Trey Young's team isn't as good as I thought, <laughs> and Arizona State, who was the last undefeated team, isn't as good as I thought? How about wow? What about Texas A and M? Do them too? Oh yeah, do Texas A and M. Um, Those are good three. Arizona State was at one point people were saying they might be ranked number one in the country, and here we are, and 
that is. I, I want to get your rankings at some point. I gotta we gotta sit you down. Maybe this is an off season podcast we'll do. Uh of of your power rankings of Duke defectors or or not defectors, mm. but like Coach K disciples, people, people who are very much yes. Duke disciples. People who are very much Duke, but you're Duke but, but, but that you like because <laughs> Duke tickets. Because you like you kind of like Bobby Hurley, admit it. And you also like uh Mike Bray. Oh um, yeah. Um who else do you like? You like some that's guys a, from Duke. That's about you it. Definitely do. So that's about I, it. I find that interesting. That's about. That's, that's, that's about, about it. it. That's about it. Uh, I'll do it. Quinn Snyder's number one. That's all I'll say. That's all you need to know. Quinn Snyder's number go. one. See? Coach K loves Quinn Snyder. He's going to come back from the NBA. He's going to be the saving uh, saint to Coach K. We all know it. Uh, can you tell me you're a good guy? Yeah, my good guy is sort of a similar vi- uh, a vibe with guy who brought a, brought his program out of nowhere, shot him up to the to incredible heights, had everyone foaming at the mouth. And is now, um, we'll just say Tate, he's doing great things for the community, and it's it's uh, he's a very great citizen <laughs> of Lubbock, Texas. My good guy of the week is Chris Beard. Texas Tech has lost four in a row now. Mm-hmm. They were in the driver's seat for the Big 12. It was happening. Everything was coming together. The You and I were laughing at the, the possibility that of all programs in the Big 12, it was going to be Texas Tech that finally ended Kansas's Big 12 title streak. Uh, it every, everything was coming together. I don't know how else to, to say it. I mean, Texas Tech played great defense. You had Keenan uh, Evans, who is just certainly what, what, what I I can't even think of like one of the best blank. I can't even fill in a blank with the number <laughs> of players in the country, but he's up there, 10, 15, something like that. Um, incredible player. They they their offense like sometimes struggled, but their defense was so damn good that it made up for it. Uh, they they looked every every bit the part of a team that. That I would get sucked into thinking like has the UConn vibe in them with Keenan Evans playing Shabazz Kimba type mm-hmm. situation. They've now lost four in a row, and I should mention that Evans is hurt. Um, he's had a bum toe. He, he's got a toe injury. He's dealing with. Didn't did not play against West Virginia, uh, which is their their most recent loss. Did not play at West Virginia, and he, he kind of did a whole lot of nothing in the couple games before that. So it's not without excuse if you're Chris Beard. You have a very good reason to sort of defend yourself, but it should still be mentioned that. The Texas Tech empire seems to be crumbling. The the the, the, the <laughs> underdog Cinderella story is yes. falling apart right yes. in front of our very eyes, Tate. It's all right. Chris Beard will be fine. He's had yeah. a great year. Uh, He'll be fine. It's no, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, turf it's, toe, right? For Keenan Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the worst. Uh, I, I, that's that, a bitch. It doesn't go away. Classic, it doesn't really ever go away. That's like the classic point guard downhill point guard having turf toe. You know, late in the year. You just give him like a couple of weeks to rest mm-hmm. up and hopefully be ready for the tournament. I still like Texas Tech. I get turf toe when you don't even play on turf. Oh, Explain that to me, Tate. Court toe. <laughs> that won't work. Um. Yeah, I still think Texas Tech is. Uh. I. I mean, like we're not. We're not saying Chris Beard should be fired. I guess we should preface the uh, the good guy explanation with that as well. Um, <laughs> we're not saying he's a bad coach either. Yeah. Same just, with Bobby uh, Hurley. Just saying that he's he's had some just, good guy ways going, and uh, he's got to get back yeah, in the bad just guy a little groove. Tip of the cap. Yep. So they'll get it back. Texas Tech. I I like the direction of the program. I still think they could they could uh, dare we say make some noise in the tournament. Dare we use that cliche? Um, I like that they're under the radar yeah, yeah, now, which is smart. You don't. Yeah, wanna, they're back to under the radar. Yeah. Though. They were. Don't they were going to be like a one. They might have been a one seed. They might have been this or that. And now they're just kind of back to under the radar. So anyway, that's my good guy. Do you have a Kyle guy update? Speaking, I think of, we do, don't we? Yeah. Speaking of under the radar, uh, Kyle guy, Virginia, uh, great. Great guard, great man, recently engaged. We talked about it on the last pod. Uh, my question to you about Kyle Guy, and this is sort of a, a larger question, but 
in the ACC, you know, Virginia obviously ran away with the ACC regular season. They win it all. And now we're in the situation where is Kyle Guy the ACC player of the year? It's basically Marvin mm. Marvin Bagley, Luke May, Kyle Guy, right? It's got to be that, yeah. It's Those it's, are the three. Those mm. are the three teams up top. North Carolina's in second now because uh, Duke lost to Virginia Tech last night. People no. forget. I think if you're a Virginia fan, you're saying Devin Hall belongs over Kyle Guy. You think? Anyway, that's what I'm saying. I, I think so. I think I, I don't know who. I wish I think, all the starting five of Virginia could win ACC Player of the Year. I feel like there's see, not I think one the, guy. I think the uh, I think the guy who's not really paying attention it says Kyle Guy's the best player, which would be you in, in this situation. And the guy who is paying attention, which would be me, um, would would realize that the leading scorer isn't necessarily the best player and Devin Hall is actually their best player. Yeah, but there's no so, way that voters will do is. that. Kyle Guy's the face of Virginia <laughs> I basketball. I know. Kyle, Kyle Guy would probably Thanks actually to be us. the pick. If, Thanks if, to if, us. If we're thinking about, yeah, you and I have made him famous and he's done nothing on his own to earn this <laughs> reputation that he has. Um, I do think if, if, if they were going to vote for a Virginia guy, I think Kyle Guy would probably get the votes. Uh, I, I still think Bagley's going to get it, though. I think it's going to be Luke I May. Gonna go to Bagley. I'm not going to lie. And I think that's the really? funny, that's the funniest thing that will ever happen to me if Luke May wins ACC Player of the Year. I'll, I'll, I'll mark Did, that down as a one time that I was completely, completely wrong, and I'm happy about it. It's sort of – Kyle Guy's candidacy feels to me like the TJ McConnell candidacy when he was at Arizona. Yeah. Um, I forget it, who won over him. Was it Joseph Young that won Pac-12 Player of the Year over him that year? But McConnell was like – kind of good and everyone knew he was good but he also like it was sort of framed as the only reason we like him is because he's the best player on the best team and we, we can't really figure out who this guy is and 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 then I think it ended up being Joseph Young that wanted over him but I was on the McConnell bandwagon back then I remember that happening and uh yeah I, I'd be okay with Kyle Guy winning ACC player of the year that'd be awesome that was 2015 right uh shit! I get all my Arizona. Yeah, I think Arizona I think it was like through, 2015. So yeah. Joseph Young, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. T.J. McConnell though, yeah. a star, a star in the making, triple double machine. Back. I love him. Uh, the real Kyle Guy update though is that Virginia played at Pittsburgh. It was the game we were all <laughs> yes. excited for. Seven points. <laughs> and Pitt, Pitt gets held to seven points in the first half. Not only that, that's not even the story to me that Pitt got held to seven points in the first half. The story to me is that. Pitt has the ball with the shot clock turned off in the first half. And they have set they're down 30 to 7. And Kevin Stallings holds for one shot. <laughs> that is the story to me. It was like, we're down by 23. We have seven, we have seven freaking points right now, but we gotta just make sure we gotta work the ball and make sure we get the shot that we want here. And we gotta make sure that we like the It's oh a possession game. That it's a possession so by possession game possession at that point. Game. You know, you had to earn a bet. We we should say the second half, Pitt lost thirty six to thirty. Pretty good second half for Pitt. Ooh, they're a second half second, team. That, that Stall, was, Stallings is a, a, an adjustment coach. You know, he goes into halftime, he makes the adjustments, <laughs> and he gets his team ready. Certainly better than Tony Bennett, I think you could argue yeah, for this game. Some would that say he, that Stallings is the better coach. <laughs> yeah, some would. Some would argue. Uh, the, the, there are people like Pitt fans aren't even hiding it anymore. They get they're, they're showing the student section. They're wearing paper bags over their heads. Yeah, it says fire Stallings on them. And my God! And the, the uh, I saw the AD, the Pittsburgh AD. I think her name's Heather Like. I want to say mm-hmm. Like. I, maybe I'm not pronouncing that right. But uh, is it Heather 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 Heather? <laughs> no. Uh, so she said we are we are in the midst of continuing to evaluate. Is was her quote that she gave today on Kevin Stallings when asked about like what she's going to do about their their predicament that Pittsburgh has found themselves in, where they have hired the wrong guy. Um, 
but but I thought I thought her word choice was very interesting. Like we are in the midst of continuing to evaluate. That's just like it's an ongoing investigation. Yeah, it's just an on it, like we're <laughs> not like, continuing to evaluate. We're in the midst. We're, we're not evaluating. She could have just said we're evaluating it, but she was like, we are in the midst of continuing to evaluate. So I, was, so, I don't know. Um, so, someone also tweeted at us something stupid that uh, Kevin Stallings was caught on wiretap offering $100,000 to someone to come to the pick game for a fan <laughs> to come to the pick game. Oh, was that, 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 was, was, that like a, was someone did the whole, they did or something, the, something stupid. Yeah. It was like yeah. report Kevin yeah, Stallings. Yeah. I was like, it's so great that Kevin Stallings is understood how, how bad this pit team is struggling. I, I didn't think he would get yeah. enough credit for how bad they've been, but I'm glad he is. He's getting all the credit, and I, I, he's earned it. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure he's not fired. Um, I'm sorry, Pitt fans, but uh, you, you just got you got to suck it up for one more year, just for America. We need this. It's college basketball is struggling right now with all the FBI stuff. We just need a place to go to look and laugh and yes. just enjoy. Yes, and and everyone to come together and be happy. And Kevin Stallings is that that source of inspiration for us. So please just suck it up and take one for the team and let this man stick around for one more year. That's all we ask. And then fire him. That's that's yes. fine. Totally. Maybe even fire him in the middle of next year and give us something juicy to talk about then. But don't fire him now, please. Sean please. Miller. We Sean Miller it. is going to take a sabbatical and then come back and coach Pitt. Once we get, we're going to get one year of stall. We're going to get a farewell tour from Stallings next year. Ooh. Everywhere he goes, he just wave, Miller, waves to the crowd. Sean Miller is a, yeah, he's right there. Sean Miller's from Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh. People forget People that. People forget. He, he wants to go back to Pitt. Also, it's his dream job. <laughs> also, he sweats a lot. Um, live live look at Sean Miller trying to debate whether he should go back to Pittsburgh, and then it's a picture of him sweating, sweating. a lot. Yes. Live, live look at Sean Miller uh, when he finds out that the wiretap exists and that also, yeah, in in Cleveland State, you better look out for, out, for all State. the hammer the NSA is gonna drop. Watch out Akron. live look at Sean Miller. Live look at Sean Miller think live look at Sean Miller thinking about the 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 firing that's gonna happen to Cleveland State's head coach. <laughs> um moving on. Do we want to do Kyle's guy? Should we, yeah, give, Kyle. should we give producer Kyle? Kyle, it's your turn. Kyle's guy, you got ten seconds. Who did you watch this weekend? Who you love? Ten seconds go. Uh, it was at the dark room again. I was watching Cuse and uh, Duke on Saturday, and I got to be honest, it's Grayson Allen. Wow. The guy the guy was out here <laughs> arm tackling. He's using his legs. He's using every inch of his body to just, just disrupt things. And he only had six points, and he really took over the game for me. So he, that's Kyle's guy. Kyle's guy. Nice. We should say Kyle's a football guy, so he loves Grayson oh, Allen. We're for, like a month removed from football. It was great. Yeah, th- those are all the football moves that Kyle appreciates, all done by Grayson Allen on the basketball court, so... Kyle's guy, pretty good, pretty good, Kyle. We we've done uh we've done two editions of Kyle's guy, um and the first one was Javon Carter, the second one was Grayson Allen, and I I that that's I hope that continues. I hope that trend <laughs> continues. I hope the next one's Jalen Brunson. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you then, folks seen this kid? I then, love it. Then Kyle guy, then Luke May. He just goes <laughs> down the top ten. Devontae yeah. Graham, um, that guy's pretty good. That's a good one, Kyle. So, so you picked Grayson Allen tripping guys. I, I like I like where you're going with that, Tate. That he's a the football thing. Yeah. I like that. Maybe that is what Kyle likes about him. Um, all right, let's take a break and then we'll come back. Quick break to get a word from SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy 
With SeatGeek, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps and LTE service, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used SeatGeek to buy tickets to uh, a Clippers game. I went to go watch the Clippers and watch Lou Williams. Oh, really? Yeah. It was, you Who's know. on the Clippers? Who's the Clippers' best player at this point? Lou Williams. Austin Rivers? No, Lou Williams. Oh, Lou Williams. It's, can you believe that? It's just so amazing. That comes, you know, talk about back to square one. Lou Williams, 2004, was one of the best players I knew about. And now in 2018, he still is. Uh, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. I just told you that. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners of One Shining Podcast OSP get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP today. That's promo code OSP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. Back to the podcast. And we back. All right. Blue Blood update, Mark Titus. Uh, people, they, they always come to us and they say, you guys don't talk enough about the Blue Bloods. And we're like, we, well, I guess we'll talk more about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we know that, it's more- uh, yeah, this season was the year that all the Blue Bloods aren't that good. You know, you joked about North Carolina going to the NIT. We saw Duke uh, stifle. At, at certain points this season with some shocking losses. Some remember the St. John's game. Kentucky and Cal, he was trying to figure out if these kids were his guys. He wasn't sure. He was shocked that they didn't know how to play man-to-man defense. And then Kansas just looked like they were just a team that jacked a bunch of threes and basically had to pay, play the percentages to win games. And now we're here, and it's March, and they're all really, 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 really good. And of course, yeah. of course. Like, what do yeah. we expect? They're all back. Uh, back Yeah, they're back to what we expect. We're back to square one. That's the theme of this college basketball (laughs) season for me. Is that we are just, but we've we've just come full circle with everything. Um, Yeah, Duke, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina. All of them are playing really. Duke just lost to Virginia Tech. I realize this, but if we're looking at the bigger picture and and kind of projecting what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament, Duke is the most talented team in the country. Um, And if if you want to argue Michigan State's more talented. Fine, you're 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 free to do that if you want to argue like Villanova or maybe Arizona if if they have all their pieces, but I mean t- it to me it's pretty clear that Duke like has the most individual talent on their team, and the concern was not with that or with the offense because their offense was unstoppable when you have all those guys clicking. Um, the concern was the defense, Tate, and that was the big concern: is are they going to figure out the defense? And it it got to the point for me where it was like I don't even really care about the wins and losses from Duke. I care about are they ever going to to figure this out defensively? Are they making strides on the defensive end? And the answer, as it pertains to man to man defense, no. is no, no, absolutely not. Not they, even they, close. They, didn't even, they didn't even. They might have regressed with their man to man. So Coach K has gone full blown zone at this point. Um, the the game that Kyle watched, the Syracuse Duke game, was just two two three versus two three. It was. <laughs> One of the worst games I've seen all season. It was the it was worst absolutely game. Absolutely atrocious basketball. I'm telling you, it's the worst game of the college basketball season. It, it really was. But it was Coach K trying to think, run Bayheim zone against Bayheim's offense. That sounds but terrible. But I think the reason, 
the reason that I was sort of excited by that game, even though it was like brutal to watch, is that Duke is very much back, Tate. And I know they just <laughs> lost. I'll say it again. But they are back. They're definitely back. And I'm going to tell you why. College basketball players cannot beat a 2-3 zone. And Mike Krzyzewski is finally just real. I mean, I've, I've, I've made this point a thousand times. There's something about college basketball players that like they see a 2-3 zone and they just they have no idea what to do. Or they do know what to do and they get bored and they're like, no, I'm not going to do that every time. You, what, you, you want me to do this every time? You want me to get the ball to the high post in the short corner? Are you kidding me? That's boring as hell. Why would I do that? Why can't I just jack threes? It's basically um, discipline. Yeah, and and it, two three zones are like like Jim Beheim does not get enough credit for this that he's he everyone calls this defense a gimmick. Jim Beheim's a genius. He looked at he realizes that these kids are freaking idiots that play college basketball. <laughs> yes, agree. And, and yeah, and you just like bait them into doing dumb shit because they can't they can't go up against a two three zone. Like who actually has great zone offense in college basketball? Has there ever been a zone offense where you're like, man, that they really know how to pick apart a zone? I, I mean, it, it happens from time to time, but. There's really like no coach or, or there's no North Carolina this year. program that's like, North Carolina's been picking apart zones. Well, the, uh, by just shooting threes? No, by Theo Pinson at the high post, Luke May at the high post. That's why they that's why yeah. they that's why they killed Syracuse. Come on. That's what I'm saying. The blue bloods are back. Fine. Can, Kansas Fine. Can, can hey, we should say this. Kansas, when they played the Syracuse zone earlier in the year, Devontae Graham, they just jacked threes and they won. So they can't right. they can't outshoot you. Uh wait. I but think, they lost to Washington, though. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, well, that's the better zone. That's the whole point. Bayheim's zone is failing right before our very eyes. <laughs> okay, good, good, good save there. Good save. Coach K, <laughs> Coach K outzoned Bayheim. He beat him at his own game. That's gotta hurt because, like, if you want to put it in curling terms, Coach K is like John Schuster, and Jim Bayheim is like his oh vice skip. You know, in the ACC, like he's he's his number two in command. But when K's not around, he's number one. You know, and then this is like number one beating number two. It's like Doctor Evil versus number two. We're gonna, I felt bad for Bay. I'm gonna save the John Schuster. I'm gonna save the John Schuster talk because you have you have some explaining to do with that. No, we're I gonna, don't. We're gonna do that. No, I don't. I motivated a yeah, man yeah, to yeah, win yeah. a gold medal for our country. What do you want me to do? Apologize. Calm down. No. Calm down. Calm down. Really. Never. Um, Kentucky is very interesting to me as well. Yes. Um, Kevin Kentucky. Knox. I absolutely love Jared Vanderbilt. I I love this kid. I I I. When people were telling Kentucky fans are like, you know, they follow recruiting, they know everything about all these guys, but they have no credibility with this stuff because every single Kentucky fan I talk to before I see one of their players play tells me how great their player is gonna like. Man, you're gonna love this guy, Mark. You check this guy out. He's gonna, you know, I really think I really think if Cal plays him at the three, and you know, maybe he gives him some minutes at point guard. I really think this team's gonna be explosive, and we're gonna be great. <laughs> and that's like every single year, and no one's ever like. Yeah, you know, this one guy is a five-star, but I actually kind of think he sucks. No one in Kentucky ever does that. So mm -hmm. Kentucky people were telling me about Jared Vanderbilt as he was hurt and set out for, like, what, the first half of the season, do we want to say? Yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what it was. Um, but, man, I love that kid. I, I really hope I, – I don't know where his draft, draft stock is or anything like that, but I really, really hope he comes back because he's going to be very, very good next year. He's not coming back. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! This is. Do you? Did you forget? We're talking about Kentucky here. Come on. 
I know, but like, can we we please? It's not working. (laughs) Kentucky, you've won one national title. Bring these kids back. God, I'm still upset that Trey Lyles didn't come back, Tate. Trey Lyles could have been the number one pick, probably not behind Ben Sennett. He could have been the number two pick in the country. I swear. That dude was so good. Yeah. And he was buried by like the 3,000 players they had on the 2015 team. He should have come back in 2016 and been an absolute stud. And that Kentucky team could have won a national title if he would have come back. He could have been a, a top three pick. And he didn't. And this, this change something for God's sake, Cal. Let, let these kids come back for once in your goddamn life. Ugh. They keep saying, "I don't want a hundred thousand. I want four million. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. makes sense." Yeah. Coming back full circle here, a hundred thousand dollars for DeAndre Aiden for one year is a pretty good deal. You know, if you're just it's talking, you're just talking about contracts. That's a pretty good deal. All right, but back, no, I'm, I'm talking back to, the blue what, what, back to Kentucky. <laughs> I I really like the Kentucky team. I think they have. They're playing better defense. I don't think they're playing better defense. They definitely are playing better defense. Of course. I think they're sort of like, like Cal's sort of got to figure out what to do with Diallo because he is super inconsistent and Kentucky fans. And takes a lot of shots. Want to, they want they want to put him in the same cannon that Dick Vitale wants to put Sean Miller in and <laughs> shoot him into the sun. Um, But like they're sort of figuring out the lineups that they like. They're sort of playing, like it, it is actually coming together. And, and if you want to make the argument that this is the 2014 team, all over again and yeah. that they you know they're young and they're figuring it out mm-hmm. and but they're going to get they're going to get hot at the right time. I'm start, I'm starting to buy into that with Kentucky and that kind of sucks because I was I was really excited to to again laugh at their demise. And it, it, it's very frustrating Tate. I I've, I've been I've been excited to laugh at a lot of demises this this season and I'm not getting to laugh as much as I would like. Exactly. We're back to square one. That's the whole point of this. I will say uh yeah. Gojus Alexander, he's like the new Rondo. He's like little Rondo. He's just unbelievably yeah. athletic. It's insane. He, so who, who, he's the scariest who's guy gone on, on the team. Kentucky team so, since you follow like Knox is definitely gone Gilgis Alexander is definitely gone you're saying Vanderbilt's gone yeah I think Vanderbilt's is, gone uh, is Diallo can't be gone he's got to come back uh, unfortunately or, or Calipari's going to show him the door no yeah, like, yeah D- you know Hamadou Diallo's gone I was talking to Knox is gone I was talking to NBA scouts and they said you're a top five guy you should definitely definitely go Hamadou I mean, I think I think they're all gonna. I'll, I'll tell you this. I think Washington will declare. I think Vanderbilt will declare. I think Richards will declare. I think Knox will declare. I think Gilgis Alexander will declare. I think Gabriel will declare. I think Diallo will declare, and I think Brad Calipari will declare. Brad, <laughs> <laughs> that's my list. I'm not saying they're all gonna go, but they're all gonna yeah. go work out. Could you imagine if Calipari it, went it, with like Brad went with the other guys to the workout? He just declared, oh and they God. worked him out. That would be my Christmas. Um, give us the North Carolina report. I know people roll their eyes and they say that you and I only talk about Carolina and Ohio State, but it, I mean they're relevant. Carolina and Ohio State are relevant. We like what, what do what, what do people want to talk to us? I'm gonna, I'm going to get upset here for a second. What do people want us to talk about anyway? Like we talk about the best programs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For God's sake. We're sorry. For God's sake. Sorry. Like, give us the give us the North Carolina update though, because I'm going to say uh, as, as an unbiased guy that. Carolina's hot right now, and I'm sl- I'm slowly getting talked back into them as well. I mean, like all four, I have the four blue bloods listed. Sorry, UCLA and Indiana, but uh, Indiana, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, a red, Carolina, a, a red Dude, come school. Come on, hold on, a red school, a blue. Hold blood. on, are are you doing the, the Indiana's not a blue blood? Don't even start. Not, I'm not I'm not going to get sucked <laughs> into that trap. Um, but yeah, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina, they're all playing well. Give us the Carolina update, Tate. Make make it quick. We don't we we don't have we're we're not going to you know. Let's not get too carried away, but go ahead. Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, senior night tonight against Miami. Miami in Chapel Hill is always a very, very scary game. Uh, Guillermo Diaz will tell you that. Um, he was always a menace when he came up to Chapel Hill. Well, that's a scary game for Carolina. I feel like they could 
uh, lose that game tonight and people will freak back out and you'll come on this podcast on Friday and tell me that Carolina's going to the NIT again. Uh, but I think right now Luke May has earned the right to be the ACC Player of the Year, and I think that's the main thing that uh, that I'm watching out for for that campaign. Um, I'm excited to see this Saturday, and we'll talk about it a little bit on Friday, when Duke goes, when North Carolina goes to Duke. It's Grayson Allen's senior night, and one of my one Ooh. of the best memories I have as a child was, and not a child, I guess I was older than a child, but when Grace, when JJ Redick, uh, his senior night in 2006, when North Carolina and Tyler Hansborough was a freshman, went there, and Tyler Hansborough hit a three and made JJ Redick cry on his senior night and beat him and Sheldon Williams. That was one of the <laughs> best nights of my entire life. I will never forget how happy I was. I remember bragging about it to all the people I went to school with that were Duke fans that would never go to Duke. Um, and I just feel like that Grayson Allen senior night has that sort of potential for like a euphoric feeling uh, with this rivalry. And <laughs> North Carolina's on the verge of that because this team, they're all together. They're having a good time. Cam Johnson's been great. Kenny Williams has been great. Luke May, I mean, like I said, has had a player of the year campaign. And then you got the two seniors, Joel and Theo and... Uh, I'm excited. I think Carolina's really figured it out this year. They're they're a sneaky Final Four team. I would not want them to be the two seed in your bracket. I would say. I think you've actually. I've I've, I've slowly been talked into Carolina actually being able to go back to the Final Four. Uh, it's funny though how the first time Duke and Carolina played, it was sort of a, a throwaway game. Um, it, it was a it was a good time to use all the old footage of the Duke Carolina rivalry and be like. Folks, I know you, it might not seem like it, but this game still matters. Trust us. You know <laughs> these teams; these teams might suck right now, but but we swear this game actually matters. And now the second time it's coming around, it actually does matter. It two top feels ten like teams. A big game to me. Yeah, yeah. It's like two very very good teams that are hot right now. So, First time since um, twenty twelve. It's two top ten teams when they play each other. So speaking of speaking of seniors, I I think we should do this because we we have neglected to do this for a while. Uh, Tate, you and I are on the three on three committee to select uh for, for those who don't know the the uh, a company called intersport is ho- uh, hosting a three-on-three tournament at the final four with basically all the seniors all the mm-hmm. all the is it just seniors or is it are the people who are declared ineligible by the fbi investigation are they going to be able to take part in this as well <laughs> deandre aiden's my first pick it's it's my understanding that it's just the seniors um and the way they're doing it is they're structuring it by conference. So you're putting together three on three teams based on seniors from each conference. Mm-hmm. And you bringing up the seniors from the ACC that, that, you know, it's senior night for Theo Pinson and Joel Berry. And then it's going to be senior night for Grayson Allen. It got me thinking that we should talk about like our watch list. Cause you, we, we just submitted our watch list uh, to, or our picks, whatever you want to call it. We just submitted those not too long ago. Um, but I thought it would be fun to, to kind of go through and think, think through this because my first question to you is the ACC could it could a three on three team with Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, and Grayson Allen could exist. they all three coexist? I think I think they could, and I think that's uh, I mean that's not my list. You know, when I was looking at the the three that I would want, it was Joel, Theo, and Bonzi. You know, those are Bonzi Colson from Notre Dame. Those are the three I'm looking Bonzi's at. Bonzi's back. Bonzi's back. He's back. And then he's back. And then Bonzi Colson's back. Maddie Ice Farrell off the bench. You know, so Bonzi has a homie for him. You know, when he comes out and I, like switch it out. I like that lineup for the ACC. Um, I mean, but so Grayson, you're leaving, hold on. You're trying I'm, to leave Grayson I'm, Allen I'm, off this. I'm leaving. I'm leaving Grayson off. Get out of here. You it, can't do that. I saw Grayson, Grayson Allen. has to be on there. I saw Grayson Allen on an NBA draft board as a first round pick projected. And, you know, you can't have it both ways, Grayson. If you want to be a, a first round pick in the NBA draft, you can't play in the three on three tournament. Can't have it both ways. I can't, so Tate and I are also hosting the three on three tournament. Yes. We're going to be 
um, it's, it's being broadcast on Twitter the first few rounds, right? It's and on the Twitter live, on ESPN too, and then and then yeah. ESPN people are coming in. They're trying to box us out, but hopefully we'll still do the broadcast. Uh, hopefully we'll get. We'll uh, see what happens. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna be hosting it, and I I really I really can't wait for you to interview Grayson Allen after you know you, you talked all this junk about him, and, and, and I, I I'm gonna demand that you tell him to his face that you did not want him to be here because he's got to be there. <laughs> So the ACC team I'm looking at, Grayson, I, I like Bonzi Grayson, Coulson. first off, uh, I don't think you should be here. All right, so what's next? <laughs> uh, so here, the ACC picks, like Grayson Allen, Joel Berry, Theo Pinson, yep. Bonzi Colson, Devin Matt Hall. Farrell, Devin Hall's in that mix, yep. Ben Lammers, who is just like, is he still alive? We don't know. <laughs> we loved him at the start of the year. God knows what the hell's happened to that guy. We thought Lammers um, was going to be like a quintessential character in the year uh, of One Shining Podcast. We thought he was going to be a Kevin Stallings-like character, and I haven't yep. seen him in months. He's turned into a lemur. I have no idea where he is. Nobody knows, um, but he he might get a l- look. Um, I put Honest Mahmood on my list because uh, Mahmood, I love that guy. I've I've I, I always talk about him whenever I get a chance, whenever it makes sense. Um, I actually think he would be awesome at three on three to be the big guy at three on three from Louisville. Um, but he's he's not going to make the team. I know that. But uh, so the ACC team is realistically going to be your realistic expectations. Grayson mm. has got to be on that team. Mm. Um, Bonzi Colson's probably on the team, right? Yeah, because we're going to need a big guy. Yeah, gotta have I, I think Theo gets on the team. And then the fourth pick is between like Joel Berry and Matt Fair. I think Joel gets on the team. I think it's going to be Grayson, Joel, Theo, and Bonzi. I think those are the four, right? And that's a pretty ridiculous team. And we should say if if so, their team is in the Final Four, then they cannot be obviously on the three play. on they can't be on a three on three team uh, in between Final Four games. So if Duke so Grayson or North won't Carolina, play, but, yeah. but Joel and <laughs> yeah, Joel and Theo will be able to play. But actually, Grayson won't I be do able want to, Grayson yeah. on this team. I I've come full circle. I'm yeah, back to yeah, square one. <laughs> I'm back to square one. Grayson Allen can definitely be on the three on three team. It should be Grayson Allen, Devin Hall, Ben Lammers, Bonzi Colson. Just two big guys, two guards. Grayson oh, will take you. all the shots. I like that team. That's uh, my new team. Um, so ACC has got a pretty good team. Uh, Big East I think has an absolutely loaded team. If you take like the guys who should be on the team, the four best, because. Uh, for for uh, there's there's one off the bench. I guess I, I guess we should mention that Tate. There's three that play and one guy comes off the bench. Um, so every team is four. Trayvon Blewett, Keelan Martin, Marcus Foster, Angel Delgado. Is it Angel or Angel? How do you say it? Angel. <laughs> I say um, Angel. And then like, you got like Desi Desi Rodriguez could be on that list as I well. I love Desi. Andrew Rousey could be on that list. Yeah, that's, that's a great, a great conference- team. Dude. Yeah, that's a really great team. Blewett. Blue you pick Martin, any of those four. That might be the best three guards that you could find as far, like, between, like, I don't know, Blewett, Martin, and Foster? Oh, yeah. And Blewett, Blewett and Martin could both guard big guys as well. Yeah. If they absolutely had to in a three-on-three setting, they could, like, sort of bang with the big guys if they have to. Yeah, dude, that's a really good team. And you got No matter du- who you pick from Big East. Double-double machine, Delgado. That's my team. Right. Those are my four. Um, Big 12, we got Devontae Graham, Keenan Evans, Javon Carter, Vlad Brodzianski. Yes. Um, the, then guys like the Ukraine maker, Sweet. Jeffrey Carroll, Oklahoma State, Manu LeCompte from Baylor. Yeah. Um, so so it's looking like if if assuming none of these guys make the final four, it'll probably be Devontae Graham. I think Devontae Graham, Keenan Evans, and Javon Carter definitely have to all three be on there. Those are the three best seniors in the in the conference. Yeah. Um, three of the best four players probably in the conference, along with Trey Young. Uh 
And then I think Brodzianski has to be on there because they have no they have no size without him. That seems to me like a pretty obvious. That's Unless a- you want to do like Makai Luke, put Makai Luke and make him just play the and just spread the floor and shoot threes and. I tell think Mikhail Luke to have to guard the big guys. I think if you have Graham and Carter, you have the best defensive guard and one of the best scoring guards, right? I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. And we should say, I think West Virginia or Kansas, one of the two will probably be in the Final Four. So uh, that may open the door for uh, Manu or someone else to jump in. Um, Big Ten, not as good. We're st- I, th- I think the three <laughs> major ones are ACC, Your boys. Big East, and Big 12. Big Ten, Jay Sean Tate has to be on this team. I, I will not. I will know. Same thing as what you said. I actually don't want him to. I want him to uh, make the Final Four. But uh, Jay Sean Tate, Vince Edwards, Dakota Mathias, uh, Isaac Haas, maybe Nate Mason, maybe from Minnesota, um, maybe one of the the uh, Northwestern guys, Scotty Lindsay or Bryant McIntosh, <laughs> maybe one of the one of those guys sneak on there. Not exactly a team you're going to get excited about. I think Jay Sean Tate is 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 great for three on three. He's a great three on three big man. Um, that that would be good, but outside of that, like Vince Edwards, to cut, like who's handling the ball? Nate Mason has to play on that team, so I'm not really that excited about the Big Ten team. If we're being honest, I'm excited about Isaac Haas, um, and when he started crying on his senior night the other night, it just it just made me well up a little bit. Isaac Haas, a great a, a great Purdue guy, really impressed. Um, the the Pac-12 and SEC are trash. We don't need to go over them. Uh, <laughs> like, I was Ristich, going through their names. Ristich will be on the Pac-12 team, right? That's who, that's who I yeah, care about. Yeah. And Welsh. Uh, Thomas Ristich Wel- and Welsh. It's going to be Welsh, dude. Oh, the Twin Towers. Welsh is going to be picking and popping. Yeah, I love that. Oh, my God. 15 footers for Welsh days. Welsh is going to be... Oh, th- that's the Pac-12 team. Like, Welsh is going to be the best player on the Pac-12 team. And I hope Steve Offord coaches that thing and just rips Welsh a new asshole yes. like he does every game. Yes. Um... <laughs> The SEC, <laughs> the SEC is garbage. Like, I, I, I'm not even going to dignify them with with by this. Like, all the best players are not senior. That's not to say the SEC is a bad conference. It's just they don't have very many good seniors. They're not winning this thing. The two the two uh, mid majors that were interesting to me were the A10. Uh, they have the A10 currently has three guys averaging 20 points a game. They are Peyton Aldridge from Davidson, mm. Jalen Adams, and BJ Johnson. Yep. Uh, and then they also got Justin Tillman from VCU, who's averaging like 19 and 9 Tate. Yep. So you get those four guys. You got Aldridge and Tillman can be the big guys. You got Adams, who he scored like 40. What? And they're like two He's averaging an insane. He's, he's gotten hot. You got BJ Johnson, who could score a ton. Um, that's a team that sticks out to me. And then the other team is the West Coast Conference, which is basically just Jock. St. Mary's and Gonzaga mashed together. Yes. Yeah. You, Jock, Jonathan Williams, Jock and uh, Emmett Narr, who's second in, the, second in the country in assists assist. behind Trey Young. Yep. And then, uh, Silas Melson, that would be a good team. So, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts? Who's winning this thing? Big East? Do we like the Big East? Is I, that our pick? No, I think my pick's the ACC. Just depending on who, on who can play. On who can play, I think that's my pick. Uh, be obje- God, be, can you be objective for once <laughs> in your life, Tate? My I God. Think, I think it's Big 12 or ACC, and I would love for that to be the final. I mean, I, I don't know. I think between I think Xavier you know, could make the final four, so that takes Blewett out, and that hurts the Big East. I think the, the Big East is one okay, one team being successful away from not being that great. And the Big Ten is really what I want to watch because I want to watch Dockage. I think the one thing I think is like the mid-major guys might take this more seriously. Yes, I agree like, with like that. It might, the the, They're trying the to get ACC drafted. guys might be too cool for this. Yeah, but like the, the, that's why I think the A-10 is low-key the team that might win this thing. I like love they, All those guys might... It's their it's their big stage. They get to play against the big boys, and yeah. You just so made the I, case I for Andrew Dockage. You just made the case for Andrew Dockage. Yeah. <laughs> big stage, big moments. Um, b- big Ten, big big Doc. Uh, 
Let's let's go to shout outs and close this thing out. Who do you got? Uh, shout out for me. I want to shout out Chris Clark, Virginia Tech. Six straight points to win the game. Does the the the? It's not Lorenzo Charles quite, but it's close to Lorenzo Charles. The the miracle in 1983 uh, catches the air ball, puts it in, gets the win over Duke. Greatest hairdo in the game, really looking like a young mm-hmm. Padawan. Uh, I I'm a big fan of Chris Clark. He deserves all the credit in the world. He was amazing last night. And shout out to Buzz Williams for telling all the kids to stop cussing, even though he's cussing at kids in front of them all for the for the entire game. <laughs> I really thought that's great. That's my favorite. It's like that is awesome. Saying, I love like, when coaches do that. Cussing at kids in front of everyone, and then when people are cussing in the crowd, it's like, hey, shut up, guys. Stop cussing. Quit cussing. Do, I know that was good. Do as I say, not as I do. That's the uh, the old mantra for for people with, in positions of authority. Uh, speaking of buzzes, buzz cut Brad. Yes. Shoulder pops out 30. against Michigan State, Tate. 30. Drops 30 on the Spartans with a popped-out shoulder. Like, the, the legend of this man, we... You're, we're talking about Ben Lammers and how we thought he was going to be one of our favorite characters on the podcast this year. I'm going to say that Buzzcut Brad next year is going to be the guy for us. Yes. I feel like like Stallings, if Stallings gets fired and, and you and I are looking for like a, a guy to have next year, like it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be Buzzcut Brad. This man is unbelievable. And the thing is, he's actually really, really good. Yes. It, it, Surprisingly. The, the, whole, the, whole, the whole aura around him is fun to like kind of laugh at that he's – J.J. Watt meets Aaron Kraft meets Tim Tebow <laughs> and meets every Wisconsin basketball player of all time. But the dude actually has game and dropped 30 on Michigan State and hitting step backs with a separated shoulder. It's incredible. I love that kid so much. Um, so shout out to Buzzcut Brad. Shout out to Houston, who led East Carolina 62-13 to 13 at halftime. That was so... Uh, we, you thought yeah, the, that was terrible. You thought the Tony that Virginia gave to Pitt was good? 62-13 to 13 at halftime. Unbelievable. The, but it is the American tape. People forget that is a major conference. As you said, you you have reported those in Houston on this podcast. A sleeping giant now in the top twenty five. Congratulations to the Cougars. Um, I also want to give a very special shout out to Jim Delaney for basically mm. admitting that having the Big Ten tournament in Madison Square Garden was an awful idea. It was an awful and idea. We haven't even the tournament has not even started yet. And he's already <laughs> like, Yeah, I blew that one, guys. Sorry, that one's on me. Um which like I I appreciate the honesty, Jim. I you know what I would have appreciated more is having the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis where it belongs. That uh <laughs> probably would have appreciated that one more. But uh yeah, it's kind of funny. Everybody hates the Big Ten tournament already, and it hasn't even happened. And it's already a failure. It's already a disaster. And yeah, so shout out shout out to Jim Delaney for that. Um, uh, I want anything sh- else you got? Yeah, I want to shout out Jordan Bohannon, Iowa. He missed the free throw to keep Chris Street's record intact. Oh, yeah, the, the great aura of Chris that Street, awesome. number forty for Iowa. I thought that was great. I thought it was a really nice move to to keep the record intact. And I will say, he is a better man than me. I would have gone for the record. So good, good for you, Jordan. <laughs> of course, you would have. <laughs> Why not, dude? You would have you would have gone for the record and then given Chris Street's family the suck it sign. And like, <laughs> no, no, just, I would have given them my jersey. I would have given them tape. my jersey so they could have it. You're a bad boy. No, I'm you kidding. Can't, we can't rein you in. You're just you're just a loose cannon out there. Um. All right, that's pretty much it. Let's close close it out. Uh, I I, I want to mention a couple things. Number one, actually, let's start with this. Apologize to John Schuster. I, I need to hear you say the words. I'm sorry, John. John, dear John, you did it, and <laughs> I'm proud of you for doing it. But I, I'm always Team Schuster. I was always on the team. I always believed in the team. I was. Oh, here I, we go. I was worried about go. the leader. I was worried about the captain. And uh, you know, I think you put it all together. I was. I think Sweden got cocky, and I'm glad we served them the great American patriotic victory that they deserved. Go America. Go gold. Go Schuster. 
You uh, you doing the? I was always on your side. It was just I wanted you to do better. You yes, should, we should cut that out and just re- take out John Schuster's name and, and, and replace it with Luke May's name, and it's the exact same. <laughs> it's the exact same apology you should be giving to Luke May. It is. Uh, did you stay up and watch the curling thing? Of course, it was amazing. Yeah, I, I went to bed at like four thirty. I was so jacked up, dude. It was so freaking awesome. Um, it was it was honestly. Everyone loves curling, ironically, and loves to. And I'm not trying to say that like I'm a curling hipster. Like I, I actually, was, I love was it more than you. Before really you guys is. were, yeah, I love it more than you. But uh, I genuinely do love curling. It's not ironic. I'm not trying to be funny with my curling fandom. I genuinely also think that the John Schuster story is one of the greatest Olympic stories I've ever seen in my life. It is pretty incredible, ever. and it's unbelievable. So it was, it was awesome to actually be like I. I, I was actually very, very excited to like witness what I felt like was history at the time. And um, yeah, it was really cool. Who, so shout out to the, the curling team. Who plays John Schuster in the movie? Mirror Curl. The Mirror Curl. The Mirror Curl. Nice. Mirror curl um, I think it's going to be Kevin James, but I'm not, I'm not locked in on that. We'll figure it out. It, it's going to be Jonah Hill, like a skinny <laughs> Jonah Hill, because John Schuster lost the 40 pounds. Yeah. And, and no. gonna, you're going to have Jonah Hill get skinny and, and have the weird looking thing where it's like, we know you're in shape, but you also. Even as I look at you when you're in shape, you still kind of look fat. No. In a weird way. He know? does flashbacks and He's it's Kevin James. Down. It'll be like the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver <laughs> and it's Kevin James. But then like present day is Jonah Hill. Michael Sarah. Maybe Michael Sarah <laughs> plays skinny John Schuster and Kevin James plays Michael fat Sarah's John Schuster. Michael Sarah's the vice skip. <laughs> oh, God. We, I, I, we need let's to write this. this we'll write this. Uh, we'll write this. Yeah, let's write this out. Um. Also, I want to shout out to our listeners, Tate, that for giving me an Icebox update. If you missed the last show, I, I spent the end of the show asking Tate how the hell Icebox has worked. Apparently, Tate, the answer is what what I suspected. People just like went up into mountains and went to cold spots and cut big blocks of ice out of lakes and rivers and et cetera, et cetera. And then they just stored it all year somehow. Uh, what, yeah. a, what a wild concept. I got the answer, but I didn't. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me. So thank you to our listeners. But um, I don't believe it. Anyway, that's I, it. I'd have to see it to see it to believe it. That's it for the show, right? We're good. One shining podcast. That's we, all we got. I am coming out. On, yes. I'm coming to LA. I'm leaving tomorrow. Tate and I are going to be doing podcasts in person for yes. the rest of the season. We are going to be doing some video stuff. We have some. We have some pretty funny video ideas. We're going to try to put together we're going to do live video stuff you know big games we'll we'll cut in and offer our takes and stuff so keep it keep an eye out for that um but yeah i'm coming to la i'm going to be out there for the oscars state i'm actually really excited about that i'm staying in hollywood Ooh. and i'm going to be there for the oscars i'm very excited to be like to do the tourist move and like say oh the oscars are going on i should go check it out and then like walk over there and realize the security's out of control and there are way too many people <laughs> Streets and then just be like eh, well i tried and turn around and go back home and <laughs> You get pick, po- you day, get pickpocketed. So, um, people ask you for money. Yeah. It's a it's a beautiful walk down Hollywood Boulevard. I'm really excited for that. So uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for everything. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Club Trillion. He's at Tate Fraser. Shout out to my seven percent of real followers. Um, and until next time, save the crew.